So uh, I've told the story a few years ago, but I've always enjoyed telling it. So as a good preacher, you got to reuse some material sometimes, I guess. But um, you've heard this about, a, there's a little boy that went to church with his parents once. And, uh, and when I was growing up, we had, I was in church every Sunday. Does anybody else re- resemble that remark? And sometimes you feel like your face is going to fall off. It's just never going to end. Um, it's just something you had to endure. And now, of course, I appreciate it very much that my parents took me to church that much. But when you're little, it's just hard. It's hard to sit through anything, and you're so impatient. So this little boy, he's, he's having to endure this church service, the prayers they felt like would never end. This guy up front just kept talking and talking. Uh, and it goes on and on. And finally, he sees these baskets or plates being passed down the pews. And he has an idea. He sees an out. He says, Mommy, if we pay the man, do you think he'll let us leave? <laughs> now, we don't want church to feel like a hostage situation for anybody. It shouldn't be that way. And if you have been around this church for the past many years, you can know that we take seriously our charge to teach the Bible, to teach the Word of God, uh, the full counsel of God uh, all the time. Uh, Whether you're here during the week and just teaching one of his many, many Bible studies, or you're here for a Sunday school class or a small group or a Sunday morning, we take seriously our charge to teach the Bible, to teach the scriptures, because the underlying conviction is that it's because God's word brings life. God's word brings truth to souls that are in need of it. In a world full of lies and misinformation, more than ever, Uh, we need to take seriously our charge to teach the the scriptures to all those that will hear. Jesus had a ministry of teaching, uh, healing, and preaching. And so our ministry should be the same, teaching, preaching, and healing. There's the proclamation of the truth, and then there's the potential reception of that truth into the lives of individuals. And so it's very much like the parable of the sower, that when we're scattering seed into people's lives, that we can't control that, but the church should always be proclaiming the word of God to the world. People desperately, their souls are hungering for truth, for peace with God. And people are in all different places. We're all in all different stages of that sort of understanding. And that's okay. We all have to begin a walk with Christ at some level, no matter where we are or our level of understanding of, of the Bible. Now, there's somebody here today, or maybe you're listening at home, and you're sort of like, yeah, I'm here, but I really don't care, right? Uh, I was in that place when I was in college, and I had friends that invited me to uh, some local church, and I was like, all right, I'll go. I was kind of hungover. So, yeah, I said that. Kind of, I didn't really want to go, and, you know, but, you know, I was a zero or a one on the scale at the time, and, and the grace of God never gave up on me, and maybe that's you today. You're basically... you. You're, you're sort of, you're here physically, but that's about it. Like, sort of like, let's get this over with, like the little boy and, and the hostage situation. If I pay the guy, will he shut up and I can get on with my day? And you're in that place. Maybe that's you. Maybe um, you're here, but you don't really know. But you're teachable. You want to learn. You want to hear. Maybe that's you. Maybe some here have soil in your heart in which you do believe, but you don't fully understand, but you, don't, you also don't live in light of what you're hearing. There's very much a separation between your church self, your Jesus understanding, and your personal life, and they're separate, and you're not literally walking in light of it. 
And other people would fall into many other categories. But we all are in, uh, the word of God goes forth into all of those situations. Ultimately, you are not coming to church to hear what the pastor has to say. You are here because you want to hear what God has to say. And that's the case, hopefully, for any church. That ultimately, the people in charge of the church get out of the way and let God's voice be heard, right? Let the spirit be felt. Or else, what are we doing? This is not a cult of personality or an ego trip, but we want Jesus' name to be heard, his voice to be heard above everything else. You're here to hear what God has to say. It's the word of God that brings people to faith. It's the word of God that strengthens you in your faith. And it's the word of God that enables you to share your faith as you live your Christian life. And in the book of Ephesians, you find in a, a, a beautiful truths of Christianity distilled in just a few sentences. Um, and today is Christ the King Sunday. And as we're going to see, uh, for some people, like let's say you're that, you're that person that's like, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not really here, right? If, if I'm talking about Jesus as King, and you are not a, a believer of any type, that is very much a cart ahead of the horse, right? Like, like, I, you can't even go there yet if you don't even have a real personal uh, relationship with Christ. It's like, again, it's the cart ahead of the horse. So we're, I have three words to talk about Christ the King Sunday today. Believe, receive, and behold. That when we believe in Christ by the grace of God and we can receive the Holy Spirit, we are then able to more fully behold what we're talking about that Jesus is king of all of creation. And I know to some people that sounds astounding and crazy and outlandish that we're talking about Jesus is the king of all creation, bigger than the universe. He holds all of it together, like the book of Colossians would say. We're gonna unpack that, but you gotta start in a place of belief, of faith, and then of receiving the spirit of God into your own life. And then you're more, more fully able to behold what we're talking about. So Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, we'll read these words. Paul says this, the church in Ephesus, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is important. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So that's a lot to unpack, that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can live within human beings by faith. We receive that, we believe that by faith. The first word, believe. Paul prays that his reader will understand the greatness of God's power. 
And I don't know about you, but even before I fully understood and believed in Jesus, somebody was praying for me. Somebody prayed for you when you were just a knucklehead, right? (laughs) When you didn't know what you didn't know. Somebody's praying for you. I've always said this, moms, moms in the room, your prayers, I mean, dads, your prayers are important too. But there's nothing like a mama's prayer, right? (laughs) Um, Somebody's praying for you. And that's what Paul is saying is Paul's prayer precedes this belief in Christ, that we need people to, we need to be praying for those who don't know who Jesus is. And just like people have prayed for you throughout your life, that it's the grace of God opening eyes to more fully understand the power of who, what God has done through Christ. And that's a great reminder for us to pray for those people in your life who do not know Christ, to intercede for them. Pray that they would come to know the incredible greatness of God's power. Pray that they would know the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can live within them. That this is, the, this is where the rubber meets the road about the gospel, right? That the same power, the Holy Spirit, that rose Christ can live within people. You can become a temple of the Holy Spirit, regenerated from the inside out. That, as Paul said, this power as it said in verse 17, it's not available, it's only available to those who believe him, as Paul says. It's not just this sort of general sweeping thing, but it comes down to a choice that people make inside their hearts. To the unbelieving world, Christ as king is just sort of nonsense. It's just sort of this other thing that you can believe or not and you're fine without it or not. I mean, so many people today would simply say that they believe in nothing. And that when they die, they will go into nothing. What a sad, sad state of affairs. Uh, And that that is not what God wants for anyone. He wants people to live forever with him. So the distinction Paul makes there is that it is belief, not just general belief, but it is faith in specifically Jesus. The saving faith, the saving knowledge in Christ. Because the unbeliever will say, and a lot of people do nowadays, I don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. I don't believe he was the perfect sinless atonement for the sin of the world. I don't believe he was raised from the dead. Therefore, I don't believe he is king and ruler and Lord of all creation. And at least that worldview is consistent. I think you're consistently wrong, but it's consistent. And you can do that, but it doesn't mean you're right. And it doesn't mean that Jesus was not an objectively real figure in human history, and it doesn't negate what the Bible says. Thank God that people's opinions don't override God's promises. Can we say thank you, God, for that? Our opinions don't override the promises of the Bible. We all have opinions, and that's fine, but you can be legitimately wrong. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you're right. Like, for example, if you follow celebrities on Twitter, what's called Twitter, now it's called X, which is weird, but if you follow these people on Sundays particularly, uh, some of them will say things like, uh, Sunday, hashtag faith, I have faith, hashtag, and this is the hashtag hand motion, by the way, if you didn't know this, hashtag, and you're like, okay, faith in what? They're not really saying, they're just saying faith. I'm like, I think you mean faith in Jesus, but you're afraid to say it. You don't want anybody to know. 
The distinction Paul makes here is that faith, belief, is not just in faith itself, but it's faith in Christ. That's how we are able to understand the kingship of Jesus. Only faith in Christ is necessary because only he can save. Only, it's only through Jesus that we can know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. But this idea of belief, of believe, receive, behold, belief, faith, is so, so critical. Because nowadays, we believe things without even thinking twice, right? I mean, you see videos now, they look so real, I can't tell what's true and what's false, right? Through this AI stuff, it's really creepy. I can't, I don't, you, the minute you see stuff and you just think it's all true, but most of it's not. Most of it's made up. We implicitly trust the phone. We implicitly trust the television. We implicitly trust Wikipedia or Google or whatever. And a lot of it might be factual, but a lot of it's not. We immediately take what we see and we ingest it as truth. But philosophically, this is, could be very disastrous for the state of people's souls and their spiritual lives. But why do people immediately believe what they read? Really, it's because of feeling and emotion. The person saying it on the other end is, seems to have conviction. So therefore, it must be true. Not necessarily. I mean, this generation, maybe more than any other, is similar to Pontius Pilate who on the day of Christ's crucifixion asked the famous question, what is truth? We es veritas, what is truth? That's a good question. That's a great starting place. What is truth? How do we understand truth? How do I know tr- what's true about God? How do I know what's true about the Bible? How do I know what's true about, m- and how does that apply to my own life? Why on else are you alive right now except to understand and know truth? Not someone else's truth, but God's truth. The search for that truth. That might be the most important search ever. Is what is true? What can I believe in? What can I stake my life upon? What can I build my life upon? What, what can I know is a bedrock that no matter what may come, nothing will shake it? Is there truth like that available to human beings? Of course, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. God gives us the ability to have faith in him Well, God gives us the ability to choose, but therefore we have the ability to believe in things that are not true. God does not want this. Belief in the Bible is nothing like the postmodern feelings first idea of belief or faith. In this verse in Ephesians chapter one, the word there for faith, pistis, as it said, is to entrust or to credit or to lean upon. Now, this means something very different than just saying faith, right? If he's saying you have faith in to, to be, those who believe him, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that, that all people have faith in something, whether it's God, themselves, money, power, your career, even good things like your family, we all look for something to believe in. But in other words, are we trusting in the thing or the person the right thing, really the thing you yearn toward, the thing you lean toward, the thing that you rotate your life around. This is what the Bible is saying, those who believe him. What we believe in matters. What we entrust in actually matters more than anything else. The decisions you and I make about belief. So when Paul says, I pray for you, Ephesus, I pray 
that you will understand the greatness of God's power for those who believe him is available for those who believe him. And this power is not just like JV team power. This is varsity team power. (laughs) This is not reserved for somebody else. This is power from God for living every day for those who believe him. So don't just believe in Christ because I told you to. Don't just believe it because Aunt Edna dragged you to church every day when you were a kid. Don't just believe because the phone told you to. Believe it because you choose to. Own it. Crystallize your belief in your heart and by your own volition to be reminded that Jesus is for you. God is for you. He died for you. He knew the sins you would commit. And when he died on that cross for all of creation, and he looked up to heaven and he said to the Father, it is finished, that the work of God on your behalf was sufficient. So don't beat yourself up about sins you have committed yesterday or the day before, but know that you are new in Christ today. So there is belief, receive, and behold. So let's let's look at receive. We believe by faith in God. We can also receive from God by faith. This is important. We can receive by God this promise that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It echoes Romans 8.11. This is a theme of Paul's writings a lot. Romans 8.11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He just gets right to the point, doesn't he? And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. That is power. That is spiritual power. How might the believer have certainty in this type of hope? Here's an important distinction. This is not because of the power of the believer, but the power of God on your behalf. The power of God toward you. We don't have the power to raise ourselves from the dead. We don't have the power to live resurrection lives every day. But you can receive this truth for yourself. Ephesians 1.19, that this is God's power toward us. It's the grace of God toward you, giving himself unto you. And we receive that by faith. This is a powerful work to be reminded that God's power was at work at your baptism. His power was at work at your conversion. His power was at work in the evidence of your endurance. You are here today and be encouraged by that. And God's power will be evident in your eventual resurrection. The certainty is because of Jesus on your behalf. So we believe by faith, we receive God's promises by faith, and we can behold this astounding reality that the Bible proclaims. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Vladimir Putin, sorry, you're, you're, you are way below on the totem pole. <laughs> President Xi, you're way below on the totem pole. We go on and on of different world leaders. Christ is above all of it. He is not only in this world, but the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, has made him head over all things to the benefit of the church. Colossians chapter three would make this claim that Christ, in Christ all things were made, 
and through Christ, he holds all things together. The Bible makes these claims that to the unbeliever world can sound astounding and very difficult to wrap your mind around. And it, it, is, it seems fantastic. It seems too good to be true. But the good news is, is that it is. The Bible makes claims like Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died for the sins of the world. And now an ascended, resurrected Jewish rabbi, son of God, is Lord and King of all creation. When you lay it out like that, some people will respond with, okay, preacher man, wearing your sneakers, you, you clearly believe that. I don't know if I do. You're asking me to believe that? Yeah, I am. This has been our proclamation for 2,000 years, that the Bible does say it, makes it clear. And for, at this point, billions of people, their personal experience would bear it to be true, that they have experienced the resurrection power of Christ in their own lives. So either we're experiencing mass hallucination and we're all on drugs and we're all just fooling ourselves or in fact, what you're hearing is fact and truth, that Jesus is king of all that is. That to be reminded that God does not rule his kingdom with guns or political force or borders or politics or any of that. God's kingdom is spiritual. God's rule is unseen by the eyes in the physical. Christ transcends all barriers, and therefore he is for all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's not for God so loved America. For God so loved the entirety of all that is within the world. All of it, physical people, all of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that all who might believe in him, faith in him, pistis, trust in him. You receive this for yourself, that Christ is for the world. That the reign of God, the reign of the kingdom of God reigns in people's lives, unseen, the spiritual kingdom. As 1 Samuel reminds us, that, the, that, that man looks at the externals but the Lord sees your heart. He sees the seat and the source of who you are. No one else can see that. God knows you better than you know yourself. He sees your motives. He sees your desire. And yes, he sees your faith. I've had people give their lives to Jesus in different churches I've worked in and served in. And one time, I, when I was doing youth work, a teenager, he came to me and he's like, Clark, I've done what you asked me to do, but I don't feel anything. Again, he goes right back to the emotion part. I don't feel it, so I don't know if it, did it stick, right? Did it work? And I said, look, you're gonna give your life to Jesus and you might feel nothing. You might feel something, I don't know. But a lot of times you'll feel nothing, but here's what's gonna happen in the weeks and months and years to come in your life. Your motives are gonna change. Your desires, spiritually, are gonna change. You're going to have a holy hunger for the things of God. You're going to be more interested in Bible study and service and worship and prayer and all those things that you thought were for only for Sundays. You're going to feel that shift within you. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit within you, right? 
He's regenerating you. So it's not just about feeling, it is about faith. Now it isn't, faith is evidence of things we cannot see, as Hebrews 12 reminds us, right? So it's like cause and effect. Even though you don't see God, you see his effects in your life. You don't see the wind, but we see the wind on water. We know it's there. You might not see God, but you see his working within you. That I have never met a person in my life so far that has given a man, woman, or child that has chosen to believe and receive Christ as their own, as their savior. I've never met anyone has ever regretted that decision. Have you? No. Why is that? It's because Christ is the answer for the human condition. He is the only way. He is the, the atoning sacrifice of God for the sins of your life. He is the answer to the deepest needs of the human heart. No one else. He is the one. He is the king. But it's only when we believe and receive that we're then able to behold him as king, right? So I pray now as I pray. I'm going to be praying for anybody within the sound of my voice who has never believed on Christ and received Christ as their own. And then, friend, you are able to then behold him as king, king and lord of your life. That he doesn't just want to take up the compartment of your life that exists on Sundays or at Bible school or church camp, but that he has come to be king and lord of the entirety of who you are. So let's pray together. Great God in heaven, thank you for the good news and the promise of your invitation. That all who believe, you have let, you have, by your grace, that all who believe on the Son of God shall be saved. And I pray for anyone here and now that has never trusted you as, as Savior. They have never believed and had faith and then received your Spirit for their own. To be assured that within them that they are a son and a daughter of God. Holy Spirit, do this work within them. By faith, may they receive you and trust you. And may they see that maybe some of the decisions we have made to this point are some of the reasons why we're so miserable. But that today is the day of new beginnings. Today is the day of salvation for all who would believe and trust in you. And so then, God, with eyes of faith, we're able to behold that you are the ascended King and Lord of all creation, that you sit at the right hand of the Father, and that because of that, there will be nothing that will overcome our lives. Not because of what we have done, but what you have done on our behalf. So we pray, I pray now, that anyone here today, that they would give their lives to you or recommit their lives to you. That you're not interested in skin-deep work, but to us to come to you just as we are. So as we sing this final song, friends, the